Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I'm your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, this episode is going to be amazing. If you are tired of being broke, busted, and disgusted, this episode is for you. If you listen to the end, we're gonna John's gonna teach you how some steps, three steps, how to make up to 30% more in your pocket than you're making right now. So welcome, John, to the show. John is also a U.S. Army veteran. We've been friends for five five or six years. We met in the Vetpreneur tribe. Six-time MMA champion, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, black belt, changing the world, changing it world at one veteran and one veteran's family at a time. John, welcome to the show, brother. Man, thanks. Can I pay you just to follow me around and intro me wherever I go? I'll be your hype guy. How's that? Yeah, right. That was great. Yeah, like so. I said, you know, we've been friends five or six years. We met in the vet tribe when it was just when it was very, very young. Um, I'm still there. I'm one of the OGs. But before I forget, because I do have a dramatic brain injury, um, if I don't ask this question, I'll forget it. What sure. is your definition of resiliency? Yeah, so resiliency is not ignoring that there's a problem. Resiliency is having the courage to dig in and really figure it out and, and get the help you need to make it go away. Um, I think we have a misnomer in the military that we think resiliency is the ability to keep our mouths shut and drive on until the mission's done. And that, that's killing us. That's not the answer. Like be strong enough to open your mouth and talk to somebody about it and really get healing and, and let that let that get taken care of in your mind and in your soul. I think that's true resiliency. You know, and I love that. And I mean, we're, we're going to start getting hot and heavy right off the bat. Um, you know, I believe that the man up saying, hey, bro, just man up is yeah. killing more men today. It really than, is. Than her brother just saying, hey, bro, how are you doing? Let's go out for lunch. Let's talk. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that that's killing people, um, you know, the numbers bear it out, right? Like we're talking whatever it is today, I don't know, but 20, 20 something people a day, 17 a day, whatever it ends up being. Yeah. All right. So real quick, we're going to hop back in the way back machine. Tell us a little bit about, you know, where you come from, where did you grow up and a little bit about your military service? Sure. So um, I lived everywhere. Uh, my parents, we're in Illinois originally, then we moved to Texas, and then we moved back to Illinois. And then uh, I joined the Army in, let's see, 1993, April of 93. Um, I did my entire tour at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, which is where I'm still at. Um, while I was in, I was at 11 Bravo, did Ranger School, did Airborne School. I wasn't a Ranger. I went to Ranger School, just a distinction for our crowd. Um, and then got out of the army went to minnesota for college came back to fort campbell uh, and i've been here ever since so i've been here longer than anywhere else in my life all right so because i, I was 11 bravo obviously i i never did any of the cool stuff i wasn't <laughs> one of the i wasn't one of the cool guys i was i was the dirt bag until i got i turned my life around but <laughs> um i love my you know special forces i i love my my airborne guys. I love the guys that have gone at, you know, ranger school and because it takes a special person just to make it through selection. 
you know, well, whatever yeah. it is, you know, whatever it's, if it's Marine, airborne ranger, whatever it is, it takes a special person because they usually what have like a 40, 50% dropout rate, if not a lot more. It's usually a lot more. Um, if you're talking about ranger school, I, I think it's, um, I want to say, well, I don't know what it is now, but I want to say it's like 30, 40%. I think special forces is probably in the 60, 70%. Um, I know, like, I don't know how many would recycle, but my ranger school class started at 270 and only like 70 of us made it. Wow. Uh, no, I don't, I, I don't know how many made it after they recycled. Um, but, but it was not that many. All right. So then let me ask you, because like we said, you know, you're a six time MMA champion. Um, and I've, I've talked to many, 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 um, MMA champions, friends with Brock, Brock Lesnar and, um, yep. And 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 it's, and you also said that you went to, you know, Minnesota College in Minnesota, um, and they have one of the best wrestling schools ever at, coming out of college. So did, yeah, I got to watch Brock wrestle in college. Did you did you wrestle in high school? I wrestled in high school. Um, I wasn't very good because I was five foot ten, one hundred and twenty five pounds. So I was way taller and skinnier than most of the people I wrestled against. Um, but I started doing um, Taekwondo as a kid and then started doing Judo and Jiu-Jitsu when I joined the Army. All right. Because, like, when I joined the military, I was I, I got deep into the bodybuilding thing. And and okay. people would make fun of me because, like, all the other guys, you know, they would be drinking their beers. And I'm drinking protein shakes. I'm drinking creatine. You know, I'm, I'm reading all the bodybuilding magazines. So how was it when you were in the military and you started practicing the martial arts? It was really good. Um, so I started actually training before I joined the Army, but then my squad leader introduced me to the UFC and MMA and all that stuff uh, in the early 93, um, like August 93. Um, by November, I think we were watching the UFC. Um, and... Uh, like I trained and I fought all the time. I was fighting every Tuesday night um, down at the Music Mix Factory in Nashville. Every every Tuesday night I was doing kickboxing and boxing. So, I mean, I, it's just been in my blood forever. So, Now, how many years did you do in the military? I just did three years in the military. I just did one one term, one uh, one contract, and then got out and went to college in Minnesota. All right, so... Um, you know, a lot of guys would say, wait a minute, you're so high speed, low drag, you know, and, and I never, ever say a person only did, you know, if you raised your, your hand and served one day, you're a hero in my book. And by the way, it's flag day. As you see, I rock my flag all the time. That's my pride flag guys. So I just want to let you know that, but, um, what was, you know, did you have a thought or well, wait a minute, you know, I'm going to do my three and I'm going to get out. I have a plan. Cause a lot no. of guys like me, I did 23. I got hurt on duty. I wasn't planning on getting out. Cause I thought I, I never thought I had a shelf life and most, you know, people, even military veterans, fighters, we all have a shelf life. Like I just talked to, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the ice man. And we were talking about, you know, he never thought he had a shelf life. You know, yeah. Randy Couture, my, my friend Randy, he never thought he had a shelf life and never really started planning to get out. 
you know, out of what they're doing. So did you plan? And how far before you got out did you start planning? Yeah, I didn't plan at all. I didn't think I had a shelf life either. So I graduated Ranger School, then went to Airborne School and did a bunch of other schools and was actually planning on taking the promotion I got, using that to go to selection and then go into Special Forces. That was my plan. Um, however, uh, during that time, I became a Christian, felt like I was supposed to get out and go to Bible College, which is what I did in Minnesota. And I got my degree in Bible and theology. So um, yeah, I didn't have a plan. The plan I did have didn't line up with the real plan. <laughs> so I got out and started training for MMA in 96 and had my first professional fight in March of 97. All right, well, before we even get any further, because I want to dig deep, uh, I want to thank our sponsors. As you guys know, I was with GNC for over 30 years in, in the Army for 23. I loved pre-workouts. I loved uh, coffee, but they all tasted like ass or made me go to the bathroom as soon as I <laughs> ate it. So I came out with my own called Vertical Momentum Coffee, 100% veteran hand roasted um twice the energy twice the kick no crash the best part of this 100 of the the pro, uh, profits go to help project die hard to help veterans struggling with ptsd and homelessness and what that means is we're setting up fob rush to where we're going to be able to bring 12 veterans and their families take care of them for one year physically mentally spiritually at zero cost to the veteran so if you guys love coffee and you love a mission write coffee down below and i'll get you that information also my friend david nordell 30-year military man like something we're going to talk about now uh, companies don't know what a veteran is they don't know what we go through they don't know the, our strengths because we have so many strengths but veterans but companies don't know about it. So what me and David, we're actually going to go in, teach the HR, teach the CEOs, CFOs, what a veteran can do and why they should hire veterans and get their company veteran ready. So guys, if you're a CEO and you don't have veterans on your staff, we are the, we are the number one minority in the world. We're like at one or 3% of the population. So if you're not hiring my, my, my veterans and you're talking about oh we hire minorities you need to rethink what what you just said so guys if you all want to get your company veteran ready write veteran down below and i'll get that information to you so now let me ask you brother because somebody one of our friends in, in our group uh sergeant nick valentine everybody loves sergeant nick oh yeah you know, yeah he, you know, he says you know once you step off base and i try not to curse on the show but it, it, it means so much that once you step off base, the military doesn't give a shit about you. It's true. Your phone stops ringing. You don't have a mission. You don't have a job and you don't have an income. And a lot of people like myself end up looking at the bottom of a bottle and a, whisk and a, bottle and a, a weapon in my hand. So yeah. talk to us about, you know, what your transitioning was like. And, <laughs> you know, talk. so talk to us, get into that a little bit. Yeah, my transition was horrible. Uh, you know, so again, I was I was served in the 90s, so there was no ACAP program. There was no, you know, they, they brought us in and they helped us a little bit with the resume. And 
I, I just remember being in that class, whatever that class was, and they talking about because I had done ranger school that I would have so many job opportunities and you know all this stuff, right? So I went to my very first interview with my resume, and the guy's looking through, which you know back then you didn't really email, right? Email was just kind of starting. Um, so he's looking through my resume and he goes, oh, uh, I see you're a ranger. I was like, yeah. And he goes, what force did you serve in? And I was looking at him and I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you know, what, what national park were you in? <laughs> and I was at this point for me that I knew everybody had flipping lied to me, <laughs> like from the army side, like, Nobody knows what a freaking ranger is, what it does, what the school's about. When you have an employer who thinks that you were in some national park, like leading the Boy Scouts around, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so I actually, I think I, you know, as far as what I see today versus what I went through, our transition, we didn't have one. It was, here's your paperwork, see you later. And um, it was pretty insane. It was pretty insane. So, so now, what kind of job? Because obviously, you had to support yourself. And and guys, I fought for a little while. I got my ass kicked a lot. So I never won. So, but that's besides the point. But I know that I ate like a horse, <laughs> and my food bill was incre incredible. So right. you had to have a job if you're going to train ML MMA and yeah. eat like a horse. So, what jobs and what kind of career did you take? Yeah, so I've been in sales my whole life. Um, so I, as soon as I got out of the army, I started doing sales again. Um, I did cell phone sales, was making about $5,000 a month because this was when we went from the brick phone, that big, like crazy yeah. phone to the flip phone. So people were coming in and worried about the flip phone would break too easy. And, you know, so I started selling cell phones. And, you know, during my college days, you know, I, like I said, I was making, I was making four or $5,000 a month selling cell phones. Okay. So, you know, that's 60, 70 grand, you know, even yeah. by today's standards, depending on where you live, that's really nothing to sneeze at. But, yeah. you know, like me, my friend, David, we talked about, you know, if you have a guy that gets out of the military and he's a spec for, he did three or four years, the military has invested over four to five hundred thousand dollars in leadership, and it's amazing how like you like you like we talk about. And you know, I love I love your uh, your LinkedIn profile. I learn so much every day. I follow you. I stalk you. Um, but you know, you get a guy that has five or six hundred thousand dollars of leadership. He's getting out of the military at twenty twenty one, and you're giving a guy an eighteen dollar an hour job. Yeah, so I'll tell you, so I did, I trained special forces for 20 years on how to shoot like while fighting, not the shooting skills, but how do you translate what you do with the gun to a hand-to-hand -hand fight and how do you transition between those two skill sets? And um, when COVID happened, that job went away because obviously if you can't be within six feet of each other, you can't, you can't fight, right? So um I ended up taking another sales role, which I'm still at, uh, love that company. And in May of last year, Fort Campbell called me, 
said, hey, have you ever thought about starting a skill bridge? Somebody that I knew on Fort Campbell. And I was like, uh, no, didn't even know that existed. What is that? And so as we started talking through it, they were telling me that basically the average soldiers getting out of the military, at least at Fort Campbell, and they're being offered 20, 25 bucks an hour to get on top roofs, to get underneath floorboards and do pesticide or be a cop and start patrolling the highways again. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. After 20 years of war, this is what our, what our guys are getting. Like, I, I just floored me. Like, I just couldn't believe it. So I started taking a look at the skill bridge program and it's a lot of red tape and you got to do a lot of stuff. And I came back to Fort Campbell and I said, there's no way it's too much red tape. I can't go that long without getting a paycheck. I said, so I'll, I'll find somebody and I'll bring him in. And that's where I found sales platoon, brought it to Fort Campbell. Um, and then as so many of our tribe does, he ended up uh, ending his own life. And then uh, through the process, I ended up taking over the company. So man, our, our, like I'm with you. These kids have been through war. They're managing multi-million dollar projects their skill sets are such that they could really be employed anywhere and be at the top of that food chain if given the right culture and the right transition. So, um, and there's opportunities out there for everybody listening. There's opportunities out there that will pay you far more than $20 an hour. So don't set. Yeah, but I think also <clears throat> for me, you know, like when I got out, I'm like, okay, man, I got, 23 years in the military. That's 23 years of management experience. So the world's going to open up to me. It's going to, and it's like, uh, no, I kind of got, I got, got kicked in the teeth. And I realized a lot of it had to do with my own fault to where I would go for a job and of course show up with the suit and the tie. And, and I hand them my resume. That's all full of nomenclatures and, you know, oh, I was a tank commander, platoon commander, in charging of you know men and hundred billion dollar vehicles, and they would look at it and and they would just see, oh, okay, you were a tank commander. Next, but because I didn't put my resume together correctly, to where you know telling you know I was in charge of eighteen men, I was in charge of all their equipment, all their health, all their welfare. I, I didn't yeah. put that on the resume, so it didn't translate into civilian speak. That's so right. talk to us a little bit about that, that we have to sometimes take part in, because I, I always say, nobody's coming to save you, period. You got to come back. And you, you have to start taking part in your recovery or in yeah. your future. So talk a little bit about that. Well, the first thing is, is I would totally, I don't consider this cheating, but I'm going to call it cheat. I would totally cheat. There's this great new tool called ChatGPT, that will take your entire military career and translate it to civilian language for you. <laughs> There's no excuses now. Now, when we were younger uh, and before all this technology, maybe maybe you couldn't figure out, you know, how to translate that, right? But there's no excuse now. Use ChatGPT and have it translated for you. Um, so, you know, but you do need to draw on the uh, the more intangibles, right? Um, I was, I was supervising 10, 15, 20 people with $5.5 million of inventory, right? 
and again, if you need help, ChatGPT will help you with that. But that's that's really the type of stuff that that you need to be bringing out because we don't speak their language and they don't speak ours. So you got to find a translator, somebody who can be the intermediary between the two of you. Yep. And, and, you know, and I think now it seems like, you know, me, you and David, I think we all need to get together and talk about this because we're all on the same we're all on the same platform, you know, same page, because there are so many, you know, great things that a veteran brings to the table right off, right off the get. Right off the rip. I mean, you're you're going to like if you're, if you're like me and my family, my kids make fun of me all the time. I tell them if you're five minutes early or 10 minutes late. You know, yep. always show up early for everything. Always, you know, so if you got, if you hire a veteran and you treat them right, they're going to show up early, work hard, do That's the right. thing, the dirty work that nobody wants, else wants to do, put mission first. And then also, if they love the job, they're going to tell their friends, I love this job. You need to come work here. And most guys, like my dad was an Italian army veteran. He, he even though it, was, it wasn't a, a army uniform, but his uniform would be on point. Haircut would look good. He stayed at the same job for almost 40 years because they gave him a chance because he was a veteran. So talk about that, the good things that a company is going to get by hiring a veteran. Work ethic, leadership, morale. I mean, here's here's the bottom line. If I'm an employer, I would rather have a veteran because they know how to shut up, bury their head, and get the job done, right? Like, at the end of the day, if I'm a company, I would want a veteran 10 times out of 10 times because even if things aren't the way we want them, even if things aren't going the way we want them to go, I know that that guy or that girl is the one who can bury their head and just get the crap done. I like every employer and, and listen, you brought this up in uh, your intro. So we are a minority and we're actually a protected class of minority and companies actually have a legal obligation to hire us as if we were another type of minority. And yeah, you know, and so companies are actually in violation because they're not hiring us the way they should. Well, you know, and I've talked to several CEOs and CFOs now that I started doing this and because I found out that my old employer was getting tax breaks because not only was I a veteran, but I was a disabled veteran. Right. Absolutely. And they never even told me until I didn't work there anymore. So right. now when I tell, you know, I tell a lot of CFOs and CEOs, if you hire veterans, not only do you get um, tax breaks for hiring a veteran. You get tax breaks for hiring a disabled veteran. You also get tax breaks if you make your company safe and do wheelchair access and stuff like that. You get to write all that off. Yeah. So they have the, what's called the veteran tax credit. You can get up to $9,600 if they're a W-2 position. Yeah. So I mean, you figure you hire 10 veterans. That's your 100, 100K in the pot. Yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, like I said, we've been in the tribe together forever. Um, and I've seen a lot of veterans come, a lot of veterans go, a lot of, you know, they want to become entrepreneurs, but they, they don't have a business plan. 
So like my friend Stephen Kuhn talked about, if you don't have a business plan, you have a hobby, a high paid hobby. So, you know, talk to us about, you know, veterans, what you're seeing now, because when when you got out in 93, the veterans of today are a lot different. Like, you don't see, you know, like you don't see the veterans coming out today wanting to go to the AMVETs or and hang out and watch and talk war stories and drink. You know, now they want to get involved with the Reverend Warriors. They want to do all these things. They're more active and they're just a different mindset. So what are you seeing in veterans getting out today? Well, I, I, I think I think that that part is definitely true. I don't see a ton of the, let's just go drink and party, right? I mean, unless they're really young and then they're just in the party age. Um, you know, one of the things that I do see is a lot of the veterans are just lost. I, and I don't mean this as negative towards anyone, but our NCOs are not doing a good job on any branch. And here's what I've been talking to people about. And here's what I mean by this. From the day you swear in, your time is limited. It's limited. It doesn't matter if that's 20 years, 30 years, or three years, or two years, or six weeks into boot camp, you you get you get medicaled out because you got hurt, whatever the story is. From the day you raise your hand, your time is limited. Now, at least in the Army, <clears throat> I don't know about the Air Force and the Navy since they didn't really serve. Just kidding. Um, you know, we do backwards planning for every mission. But we are not doing backwards planning at all for the people coming in. So they get to the end of three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, and they have no clue what they're going to do with the rest of their life. They have no clue. <clears throat> and nobody has actually invested in them enough. You know, here's just an example. Um, how many of you knew that if you actually just invested $250 a month from the day that you signed up till the day you retire, you'd have $3 million in the bank when you get out? Like you literally have at, the, at that moment in time, the ability to tell anybody, go screw yourself. I got, I've got enough money. I'm not doing that. But, yeah, but, but how, but then, but, you know, taking that, you know, taking that thought process, then how am I as an E1 going to be driving a brand new Dodge Ram 1500 through the front gates? Because you don't have an NCO <laughs> who actually cares enough about you to tell you to delay your gratification, yeah. right? I mean, and, and think about this. Um, um, let me, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. I'm having a, a brain fart. He's in the vet tribe. Great guy does, does insurance, does whole life insurance. Mm -hmm. if, if, if you took what he teaches, Derek, Derek um, um, starts with an M. Uh, I don't know why I'm forgetting his name right now. Merrill, right? You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. <clears throat> so imagine, again, about this education process. If we had people that actually cared and had actually been taught, you could get a whole life as a young E1. By the time you're an E5, you are self-banking, self-funding your own house, your own car. By the time you retire, you'll have more than $3 million in the bank. Like, these are the things that nobody's teaching our tribe. Here's another one. If you serve for five years, 
you're losing approximately $200,000 um, uh, $200, in taxes to the federal government. Whereas if you were a young E1 and you started a, a side hustle, you could actually keep all that tax money. But nobody ever taught the NCO Corps to teach young guys how to do that, young girls how to do that. So they don't know. And now these young kids don't know. So they get to the end of their career, whatever that is, two to 20 years, and nobody has a clue. And they usually don't have a lot of money. Yeah. And, and I totally agree. Now, like I travel a lot and I was in an Uber the other day and the guy, guy picked me up in a Dodge Ram 1500 Uber, which was great. And finding out he was military. And then, you know, I started asking him about everything and I started talking about, you know, becoming a veteraneur. Um, and, and, and he's like, well, I never really considered it. And I'm like, you know, cause I drove Uber for three years, but as soon as I started driving for Uber, I started an LLC and I start, I treated it as a business. So I, I took all the write-offs and this guy, you know, he came out, you know, after 15 years in the core driving Uber, nobody even taught him, you know, instead of driving for a hobby, create a business, create an LLC. So you can actually yeah. start writing all this stuff. Up. And he so was in, he just got out. So it's yeah. not like it's, you know, he was out 18 years ago. There's so much here. And I just think, you know, I think we owe it to ourselves to to educate our tribe, to get NCOs to understand that there's more. You know, here's another example of this. The average person in their military career will probably BCS five times. Right. Every two to three years, mm. they're going to BCS. So that puts you at, you know, three to five PCSs. Because um, some of those are going to be a little bit longer, some are going to be a little bit shorter. But you could actually buy a house at every new location until you PCS, rent that out. By the time you retire at 20, you've got three to five properties that are residually paying you. But nobody talks like that. Who talks like that? Well, I mean, but now, and I have to say, you know, that was the reason I started my podcast because. I can't afford to get the guys from Rich Dad, Poor Dad for me to sit in front of them for an hour. Yeah. But I can have them come on the show and I yeah. can ask them any question that I want yeah. and get all the answers that I want. Just like, you know, somebody asked me, you know, well, you know, well, who do you know that's a billionaire? I'm like, I don't know anybody. So I invited right. David Meltzer to come on the show. And he's got a $20 billion company and I can ask him whatever I want Sure. because I started a show. I started a, a side business and a lot yeah. of people don't think like that. And for me, you know, like I'm a, I've, I'm a ninth grade dropout. You know that I'm always open and honest, you know, but I've read over 6,000 books and I got 15 books going now as we speak and two yeah. audio books. So to, to get an education, it can only cost you 15 bucks a month on Audible. And you can learn pretty much anything about everything you've ever wanted to learn, right? Yeah, the, the education is out there, right? Jim Rohn said it this way. An education will make you a living. A self-education will make you a fortune. Yep. So now how do we, because for me, the greatest, one of the greatest days in my life besides my marriage and the, the, my, the, my children being born 
was the day that I got I got promoted to sergeant. And for me, I took that NCO creed to heart, and I still do. I just had a friend who said, he just texted me, he's like, you know what, Sarge, you were the best NCO I've ever had. Nice. You made me become a better NCO. And yeah. it was something, I think Zig Ziglar might have said it, I, maybe I'm wrong. He said, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And right. I cared about my guys. I loved them, and I, I made sure they were taken care of. And I think that's what an NCO should do. What are your yeah. thoughts? No, I, I think the job of the NCO in the military is to ensure his or her soldiers go further, faster than they did. And I mean that in every area. Health, mental, physical, financial. You should be learning those lessons as an NCO and then and then downloading them to the young men and women that are going to serve underneath you. Um, and I think that's paramount. All right. So now um, my perfect avatar, and I actually sat down with Mr. John Lee Dumas. He's my mentor. And we talked about you know, finding who my perfect avatar is. <coughs> my perfect avatar is a, a, a male between 35 and 45. Father of three, veteran, brand new business owner. That's who I speak to because that's who I was. And, sure. you know, so, you know, a lot of people, you know, when they start a business, they don't even know who their perfect avatar is. They're yeah. just praying. They're praying and <laughs> praying instead of being a sniper and be like, all right, I'm not going to waste my money advertising to women. If my analytics say that my perfect avatar is 35 to 45 year old males. So talk to us about business and, you know, finding and, you know, like even like John's John Lee Dumas said, you know, sometimes you got to go a mile deep, you know, right. and it's wide, but a mile deep in finding out who your perfect avatar is. If you're before you even start a business. Yeah. I don't know if I would do it before I start a business because I'm all about learning as we go. And sometimes the best way to learn is just get your ass thrown in the pool and figure it out. Uh, but you definitely need it, right? At some point, you need it fast. But, you know, there's a lot to be said for just figuring it out uh, and getting in there and just starting to do business. Um, so the most successful way, you know, is obviously if you can actually figure that out before you get started. But I don't know that it's required. You know? <laughs> so, but, okay, but then let's talk, you know, business and also sure. mixed martial arts because i believe like i just watched the amazing uh documentary mcgregor mcgregor forever amazing doc uh, i don't care what anybody thinks about him but his story is amazing and the way he turned his life around the last couple of years is amazing but he would say just like in business sometimes you just have to focus on one thing you know because right. focus you know follow one course until successful you know a lot of people when when they train mma you know they don't realize it's, you know you have to pick one lane first and get really good at it and then go right. on to the next instead of trying to learn everything at the same time and not getting good at anything yeah there's very few people that can multitask in that regard right so just as an example you can't have a world-class mma fighter and a world-class opera singer 
it typically doesn't work. There are a few individuals, Michael Jordan was one of those, uh, Bo Jackson was one of those, but they're few and far between. Um, so I'm with you. I think that you should have a focus, that it should be very narrow and it should be done until you're very good before you add other things onto your plate. All right. Now, a lot of people, I, I forget even to talk about it, but I ran Lennox Lewis's training camp for six years while he was the heavyweight champion of the world. And wow. him and Emmanuel Stewart ran a very tight schedule. Everything was scheduled. Everything yeah. was written down. He knew when he was going to lunch. He knew when he was doing his road work. He knew when he was doing the heavy bag. And, um, and, and of course, when his mother was alive, his mother used to cook him every single meal. She would travel with him and cook all his meals. But for me, I, I think we're, you know, combat sports and business should go together is I have to have a schedule. Absolutely. I have to know what I'm doing. You know, even I'm an old, you know, I'm an, I'm an, I'm an old time guy. You know, I'm, I'm an old low tech redneck. Um, I still write everything down. I still have my scheduler, but you know, I, I still use tools like Calendly and stuff like that. But talk to us about, you know, if you're a business owner, and especially if you're a martial arts business owner, how your, you know, your your habits and your schedule either set you up for success or set you up for failure. Like the, the bottom line is your schedule is your lifeline and you need to have two schedules, what you actually do and what you intend to do. And what I mean by that is we all know that life is malleable. It changes. There's things that happen. My daughter gets sick at school and so I got to go pick her up. And I've got to shift my schedule, right? So we have to have a degree of flexibility, but we also have to have things where they're fine-tuned in such a way to where if everything worked exactly the way it was supposed to work, that I would know what my perfect, most productive, most financially successful week would look like. That's my intention. Now, that's not always what lines up on the actual calendar. But we should actually have a calendar where we on Sunday or Monday morning, we go through and we know exactly what we're doing the entire week. We're proactive about our calendar instead of reactive. We schedule it out and where we find that we have holes in our schedule, we intend, we plan to do the things that make us the most amount of money or bring us the most amount of joy or whatever it is that you want to put into that block. So if you're in business, you need to be putting into those time blocks that aren't filled income producing activities, whether that's dialing, getting new client or like whatever it is, depending on the business you're in. Right. Um, you can't do that if you don't know what you've got to do next. That's why we do backwards planning in the military. We have to hit target at 10 AM on this day at this location. What has to happen next? Well, we got to get there. Okay. How long is it going to take us to get there if we leave from this place? And we continue to back up that schedule until we get to where we're at today. We've got to be intentional just like that in our business and with our schedule with our business. I love it. So like I said, we got about five minutes left. And I, I want to talk about, um, like I said, this is a teaching podcast. So if, if Sergeant Joe Snuffy gets out of the military today, which I think today is the 13th, something like that. Um, what is your top three 
piece of advice you would give him if you took him under your wing and he gets out of the military today? Today? Um, man, there's, there's a lot of variables there, so I'll break it down into the generics. Um, the first thing I would do is I would tell him to go get his uh, project management certification because most of that is now paid for by VA or by the, by the military directly. And the reason why I would have him go get that is because most of us have already done project management. And if you can't find anything else to do, uh, an entry-level project management position, it's going to pay him somewhere in the neighborhood of 60K, depending on where he lives. So he can go do that and he could get that. The second thing I would do is I would get your resume done professionally. I would spend the extra money, get it done by professionally by somebody who actually can speak both languages. And then the third thing I would do is I would find a mentor who can help you guide you to what it is that you actually want to do. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the big part because many of us get out and our identity is just the military. So we get lost on day one because we don't know who we are now. So my real answer would be hopefully that we can get a hold of them a year before they get out and then give me my top three. <laughs> you know? yep. All right. So then my last, it's usually my last question, but for you, it's not going to be. Oh. Okay. How do we find you? How do we support your mission? Yeah. So the big thing for us right now is we're trying to spread the word on two fronts. Uh, we're trying to let active duty members know that we exist, Sales Platoon. Um, you can find me just about anywhere. Uh, I've got a I've got a fairly decent digital footprint if you just type in my name. Um, so the first part is we need active duty members who are not afraid of sales and who do not think sales is the used car salesman who stole their LES. Okay, that's that is sales, but that's not the kind of sales we teach. Okay, um, so we want people to know what sales is and that there's an opportunity out there for them to make the money that they want to make while having the freedom that they deserve after serving. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is we, we want to let companies know that there's a workforce available that's about 18,000 people a month getting out of the military that you can hire that will be highly qualified, highly disciplined, and we'll do the job of three of what you have right now. Um, and so we have two fronts that we're trying to do that on. I love that. And I'm going to, I'm going to hook you, you and David up because you guys can jam together because you guys seem to be on the same, the same plane. So my question is um, just because it's you, um, we live in a crazy world. You know, we, we live in a very high pressure world. We live in a very um, stressed out world. Um, so if I ask somebody to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it. Right. But if somebody's watching our show and I ask them to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to do it. So I'm going to ask you this question. Um, cause I know that you are a man of faith. Um, if there's somebody out there, you know, cause I believe, and I, I believe in my Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, uh, without him, I wouldn't be able to do what I do that. He's always there for you. He never moved. He if, if if you don't feel close to him, you're the one that moved. So if there's somebody out there right now listening to us, struggling with their faith and want to find a little peace, what can they do in the next 24 hours to find that? So I, I would say that both you and I are probably pretty well connected. So 
Um, if you're out there, and I would expand it beyond faith, I know you won't mind this. If you're out there and you think you're alone, man, give one of us a call. My phone number's on my LinkedIn. Text me, call me. I can help you. I don't care where you're at in the country, I'll help you find a good place. Um, and I know you would do the same. There's none of, there's no reason for none of us to be alone. Um, we have a big enough tribe. We have people that care. We have people that can really help. Reach out and have somebody help you. If you're not comfortable with me or him, find somebody that's comfortable to help you. But if you're if you're listening today and that's you, text me. I love it. John, brother, I'm so grateful. Like I said, we've been friends all these years and I've been so grateful for everything you've done for me. Even in the past, whatever past businesses you had, you've actually helped me travel and do these fun things. So I just want to say, you know, thank you for your friendship all these years. And guys, I just want to say, you know, I'm a big Joel Osteen guy and I always end with this. You can either choose to be the victim or the victor. Yeah. Guys, make that decision. Today I decide to become the victor and not the yeah. victim. John, I love you, brother. Thank you so much. Good, man. Thank you so much for having me. All right, brother. Guys, remember, vertical momentum, the only way to go is but up, and I will catch you tomorrow. Love you guys. Love each other. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.